We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Hey, welcome to the Fly Racing Swap Moto Podcast. I'm Don Maeda, and I am in uh, fancy Camarillo Springs at the... Uh, are you are you opening a snack there? I could hear the crinkling. <laughs> this is my daily vitamins after our beautiful taco lunch today. Okay, so I'm in uh, I'm in the headquarters of O'Neill USA with uh, Frank Kashar and Mark Shear, the uh, two gentlemen who uh, basically hold it down here for the uh, apparel brand, which is in its fiftieth year of business. So congratulations on the uh on the big anniversary daddy frank yeah well thank you and uh you know i think i told the story somewhere online but like let's see if you can remember it do you remember when we met on the phone i knew you were gonna freaking say huh? this i unbelievable i i think that you embellish the story every time oh, no. you tell it oh no as, as is i do remember we had a, a a heated conversation with our first conversation yes yeah. I, I, had, I had written a now, I had done an interview, a question-answer interview with another figurehead in motocross who has, uh, you know, since passed, so we'll not drudge that up. But uh, apparently, you know, like, you know, I did a question-answer interview about his history in the sport, how he came up, and I get this phone call. I'm all, hello? This is Frank Kashar from O'Neill, and who wrote that story? It was a piece of shit story, and what a piece of shoddy journalism not to get both sides. And that you were pretty fired up. Remember that? I remember being fired up. I yeah. remember it, it, you have to understand it's just passion for the brand, passion for what we do. You're a huge voice, and you were uh, a huge voice then as well. So, hearing or listening or reading something that's negative about the company was hurtful. So, of course, I picked up the phone and may have gotten a little emotional. I, I, I don't apologize. believe it was negative towards your company, though. I was like, you said that I omitted some facts, and it was my job to fact check the things that I was told by Jim. And I'm like, man, who I said the name, but anyway, <laughs> you know, it was for me, in my opinion, it was a uh, question-answer interview. Like, say I did an interview with you, right? I wouldn't go fact check everything you said because I'm taking your word for it as you know face value. Yeah, I, I honestly don't remember what it was about, but I can tell you that. I'm so glad we're over that point in our lives, but I, I did give you a lot of shit on the phone. For oh, something. I was just going to say that. You two have come so far from the from the beginning. Yeah, it was yeah. one phone call. Dude, it <laughs> was, but it was like, you know, the first encounter with this guy. You know, I'm like, oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> what and magazine remember, was it with at was, that point? I was at MX Racer. MX Racer, Racer yeah. Yeah. But I just remember going, who is this guy and why is he attacking me? Yeah. I was like, yeah. It was, yeah, it was all out of love. Okay. I think, I think uh, Jim O'Neill, our company founder, he... He found something objectionable with the article, and so we all sort of jumped on, and he was probably right. But uh, no, nothing nothing too bad. No but I, I, here's what I can't remember is when did we uh, when did we pass the olive branch? I thought it was immediately after. We were oh, no, I hung up on you. I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I shouldn't say immediately, but it, was, it wasn't too long. I mean, you know, I, I found love for you immediately, huh? you know. It didn't what, take long. Maybe it, was, maybe it happened in... Uh, 
lovely Indianapolis after the trade show at, a, at the Circle Bar or something. Probably. probably. You know, at the Slippery Noodle or uh, somewhere <laughs> I out in Indy? Probably. Yeah, Red like Garter that. or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. What's a, I've never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> the Red Garter is a terrible establishment. Yeah. I've I've seen a piece of string there I should never see. <laughs> Five dollar lap dances? Yeah. Isn't that the deal? yeah. Something like that. So, okay, so long story short, we had a rocky start to our relationship. We've become great friends since. Um, I've written this as well, but uh, you were a huge driving factor in uh, us picking up the pieces of uh, the uh, former Transworld Motocross empire and uh, reformulate it into uh, Salt Motor Live. So thank you very much. And uh, you're a damn fortune teller. Well, let's let's get the record straight. You guys did all the work. We just came in with uh, some thoughts and ideas about what you might be able to do to maybe expand you and your brand and what you're doing and all the great hard work that you guys do and diversify enough at a time when print was going through some changes and, and maybe just cover your ass in case something was going to come down the pipe. But mm -hmm. I don't think any of us expected it to be so quick and so mm -hmm. harsh. Yeah. Uh, but I think we kind of all saw the change coming. So I, I couldn't be more excited for you guys and what you built it's absolutely amazing we're we're stoked just to be advertising on swap motor live it's, mm -hmm. it's fantastic well of course we appreciate the support and the encouragement and the guidance but uh i remember when frank just popped off the name he's like you guys gotta do something he's like how about swap motor live it's funny <laughs> to see it see it uh grow well do, do you remember mark that don was like i don't think so i'm i'm not, i don't know about video what do you mean he's like Dunstan? i'm behind the camera I'm yeah that's that's not my style I, there's a studio where i dude what was it four miles from your office yeah we're like this but is you know perfect. hey in my defense the example that we looked at of the Callaway live show, you know, the guy comes out and is like a live audience and he's doing like, has trademark karate chops and leg kicks. <laughs> Yo, hey, hey, welcome <laughs> to the show. I'm like, yeah, that's not me. Yeah, it we, like a late night TV show. We yeah. never yeah. expected that to be you, but you've made something bigger and better out of it than we ever even imagined from the beginning. So yeah, it's, 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 it's been a lot of fun. It's exciting to watch too. And yeah, I think the great part about it is for someone like me who's, uh, let's say a fan of the sport or a fan of a lot of athletes uh, past and present as you get to see a side of them that you're never going to see on a podium interview or anyplace mm -hmm. else. And uh, you're never going to read in a magazine. I mean, you actually get up close and personal with people who've, who've truly molded the sport and mm -hmm. continue to do so. So I enjoy it. Well, thank you. So uh, the next thing is like, I, I had a really good time writing uh, a piece for our website, chronicling the, 50-year history of O'Neill. I, I had a good time calling some of the athletes throughout history that have been, you know, known as O'Neill guys like Dubok and Holly and, you know, LaRocco. <clears throat> and then kind of intertwining my little personal history with the brand there, right? So, man, my first ever pair of nylon riding pants were O'Neill Ultralights. I'd say 1983, I believe. So, like... Yeah, I got some roots with you guys, I think. And then, see, so think about it that way. Here I am, like, my fond memories of my first O'Neill pants, and then I'd get a phone call, and the guy just cussing me out. <laughs> right? You're going to harp on that fucking phone call. Um, <laughs> the truth of the matter is Jim, Jim founded the company with uh, all the right ideas in mind. It was out of necessity. Jim himself, a racer, uh, you know, true entrepreneurial story, built a brand, 
Um, we, we pride ourselves in quality product. And I think it's great that you were um, an initial user. I didn't realize that back in the day we made pants quite your size. So no. I'm stoked that you were Hey, riding. I'll tell you, I, I, as I wrote in that thing, I'm the inventor of the wide spandex on pants. <laughs> I was O'Neill you know, in the three-wheeler market. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the O'Neill ultralight pants had a three-color spandex or elastic stripe uh-huh. down the sides. That were, it was maybe an inch at most. And I was so fat that shit. It stretched out so the stripe was almost white because oh. the color. Yeah, I'm, you know? I'm with you. I mean, I've, I've got pants that I've, uh, I was wearing back in the day. It had the O'Neill spandex on the side, and I'm such a fat ass myself that you're like, what pants are those? Because the name just disappears. You know, the spandex <laughs> stretches so far. You're like, you don't it's really know what's out. happened. Yeah. Uh. But, yeah, so, I mean, for me, my first memories of O'Neill was the ultralight gear that year, and then – you guys had Andre Mallard, and he his were silver, right? Silver light pants. Yep. And, oh, God, I wanted a set of those so bad. But, you know, I had to, you know, I grew up in the shadow and the guidance of my big brother, Ross, and he was sponsored by JTUSA all that time. So, of course, when I come home from Cycle Rider with these O'Neill pants, he's like, oh, what are you buying those for? You know, I could have got you JT. And I'm like, no, no, these are cool. Yeah. But then I wanted the silver pants, and he was just like, Psh, wouldn't let me get those. But uh, I remember I wanted the O'Neill boots to match. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the boots, the straps were rubber, and you stretched the rubber strap over the, you know, the little uh, hook. And I think those would break. And that's actually what the guy at Scott's Performance told me, oh, these kind of break. So that... Then I ended up with Axo boots and was mismatched right from the get-go. Then your right? brother but was really giving you shit at that oh, point. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, but uh, that and then the uh, the helmet sticker, the curved O'Neill helmet sticker that had to go on the forehead. Oh, yeah. I had that, and I had the O'Neill five-snap visor. I was dialed. And then my brother helped me, of course, with the duct tape over the five snaps because that was, you know, the style back then. Got you dialed. But, uh, but yeah, so, I mean... My my history with O'Neill goes back to eighty two, eighty three. So I, I will say when I see you riding now, I don't think anything looks quite as good on you as, as the O'Neill gear. I see you in other gear sometimes and it hurts. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I, I think when you're wearing the O'Neill gear, I go, God, the style like, there's just something different. Like Don looks like he's got it together. And then like I'll see fifteen pounds thinner. Yeah, totally. And then yeah, I'll see, see he knows the hot topic. Right. Oh, <laughs> every <laughs> time. I text him every time. I'm like, dude, you lost weight. I'll just send a copy <laughs> of the photo. <laughs> But, uh, you know, and then sometimes you put on other gear. And I get it. you got to take care of other sponsors as well. But I'm sure you don't like wearing it. I could tell. But I could see it. You could see I'm not smiling under my helmet. Right? Truth just is, just your body language, everything. I'm like, God, he's miserable today. But he's, <laughs> today's a work day. Yeah. When it's a free day and you can do what you want, he's in O'Neill every That's time. That's right. <laughs> hey, I will say especially the quote-unquote limited edition Prodigy gear that you guys came out with. A... That was fantastic delivery in the uh, in the little promotional boxes you sent out with the with the custom uh, boxes with the picture inside and stuff. And I really liked the one you sent to Dahmer. It was the picture of him, and it said like you're looking for donuts because it looked like he was looking <laughs> off. Searching. Into, There's no donuts in this box. <laughs> no, he was looking in off into box. the sunset. You know? Yeah, I, I think uh, Sierra in our art department she deserves a lot of credit. She put those together and. To be able to put uh, boxes together that have custom print 
for those of you that have ever printed a box, you realize the setup and everything. It's a big ordeal. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, we're stoked. It's 50 years, so we've been uh, enjoying the celebration all season long, and that's just part of it. Yeah, so getting back to that gear, um, I, I told you, I go, wow, you know, you need to keep this line in the offering, in the catalog, because it groups you in with all the companies that make an ultra high-end set of gear. And I think it improves the perception of the brand as a whole. You know, because, I mean, let's face it, O'Neill is known for bulletproof gear that lasts forever, right? You're asking me to say right? Well, no, I'm <laughs> just saying that's my that's my thing, right? That's yeah. what I think. Like, you buy O'Neill hardware pants and they last, like, until you outgrow them, basically. Yeah, that's what we build them to do. Is to but last so, a lot of riders I talk to, they're like, I want the new gear, but I can't justify it because the pants last forever. You know, yeah. I've had them for two seasons and mm -hmm. I can't can't wear a hole in them so yeah, yeah the quality is always number one but you know now you have this ultra high-end race fit high performance stretchy gear that looks super cool like and you were saying earlier people were calling going oh i didn't know you could make gear this cool but like it's there's a choice to make it uh, i i don't know that anyone said i don't know that you can make gear this cool i i think our hardware line of gear i would put it up against anybody's <coughs> top end line of gear mm -hmm. um really like you said it's got a reputation for being bulletproof and i think it is for a reason it's designed and built that way and it's built to last and really even though it's expensive it's a value because it's going to outlast just about anything you buy the prodigy gear i think we had fun with because it was uh anything and everything we wanted to put into gear there was, yeah, no it, was a lot of, it was a lot of new features we've never done before that we really pushed the envelope. So. No budget restraint. We just, uh, you know, Rudy, who's, who's been doing our design forever, we just hey, do whatever it is you want to do. And he he really had fun with it. And it's not inexpensive, but it is an uh, amazing product. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that you enjoy it. Okay, so Eric Rudolph designed that Prodigy gear as well. Yeah, Rudy does uh, basically motor gear for us. He does most of the motor gear, and uh, he's he's a wonderful person. Been with us for a long time. He does amazing work for sure. Okay, so you guys, was there a uh, like a roundtable meeting or anything recently where you said, "Hey, Rudy and your art crew, you got to make gear look distinctively different each year now." Because there was a time, there was a time like during the the Dubok reign of terror in the vet classes where i would see doug and i didn't know if he was wearing that current year's gear or a couple of years before because it seemed like the changes weren't that drastic i, I don't but, I but don't these days you could tell when it's new year i i don't think there was like a roundtable decision discussion i think that you know choosing gear deciding what we're going to do year after year uh, believe it or not, is a, is a painstaking process with a lot of thought and analysis. It isn't just, hey, that looks good. Let's run it. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, an old saying and a joke is my, you know, we, we joke about our favorite color gear. Our favorite color gear is sort of determined by the controller in the corner office and mm -hmm. says, here's what sold best last year. So, yeah. um, you know, market analysis to what competitors are doing is part of it. Exactly what we sold previously is certainly part of it. I think Rudy's always trying to reinvent, um, reinvent product, reinvent gear, and distinctively different. And then there's some gear, like we talked about today in the warehouse that we've had five or six years, might not be your favorite, but sells mm -hmm. so well that you know we continue to sell it. And the trend recently is that gear's getting like simpler and simpler, and the logos are getting smaller, and so you're, you have to kind of reinvent how you can make it look different, but mm -hmm. also have it make look make it look so simple and and clean, which is uh, really the trend. Okay, what is that gear called? The, the 
It's stuff I called the comic book gear. It's a crank. Oh, the no crank. crank. Yeah. Okay, so it's 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 cartoon stuff, right? Basically, like skeletons, grenades. There's yeah, chicks. But eight it balls. sells. It sells like crazy, right? It's it, it's one. It, of the it does sell like crazy. Yeah, you know. Okay, why have you not put one of your racers in that stuff at a race yet? You know, if you take someone like Dean Wilson, it, that's a whole process that Mark can talk to you about. That really. I well, mean, Wilson's got the rocks. He has to have forty-three rock star stars on his gear. Right? It, so it's not just that. Dean Dean has a hand in also some of the product development. He gives direct feedback. He's telling us what he likes. You know, from sampling all the way through production. Um, and, and, and we, you know, we love Dean. He's he's great. And most importantly, I think uh, it also has to go through that husky process. So yeah. everything that Dean wears is planned out well in advance. It's approved mm-hmm. by Husky. They're looking at artwork and yeah. I mean, we'll submit twenty five colors. Husky cuts eight, then mm-hmm. Rockstar cuts. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden, it's uh, yeah, it dwindles. So and some st- sometimes, I mean, I'm sure Mark can tell you in detail. Dean's picked stuff and colors that Husky's like, nope, mm-hmm. not going to happen. So I don't know. I don't know if uh, I think a, maybe A Ray. I think A Ray. Yeah, you need to throw A Ray in the crank gear. Yeah. Uh, hey, if Alex is down, yeah. Let's, no, no, let's he's look. he has no choice. I already <laughs> said that's what he needs to wear. Okay, just no heads you know, up. He opens his gear bag. No and heads there. up. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll make up some kits today. We'll we'll make it happen. Crank. Yeah. Heck yeah. So um, through the years, uh, both of you guys, what have been some of your most, in your opinion, iconic sets of gear? Ooh, iconic. Well, ones, ones that you remembered really well. Or, you know, do, do you remember that um, hardware that was like that lumberjack? Yeah, you know, it was that? 08 with Langston and Ferry. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah I, 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 I actually really liked that gear. I thought it was, and it was distinctive and it was different. I, I love the Reseda gear that's this year. It's a throwback to when Jim founded the company. It was in Reseda, actually. And mm-hmm. Or even recently, the Mayhem Hex has been very, uh, with yeah. the Heather chest. And really popular, and it was really kind of the first of its kind, both with the material and, mm-hmm. and some of the cut. And, yeah, I, I think those are some of the iconic iconic items that come to mind. I'm trying to dig way back and think about some of the stuff that – Remember we had that uh, those hardware jerseys where the O'Neill logo was so big, LaRocco was wearing it for some of the time. Oh, I mean, it, was it was the curved one, right? The curved one. Wasn't Jim O'Neill saying, like, how can we make it bigger? Yeah, make bigger. It bigger. <laughs> it's got to get bigger than that, you know? And, I mean, those those logos are just massive, huge. I think and when they did the starting line shot and it would show all 20 guys, he's like, we still need to read it. It's yeah. got to be as big as it can. Yeah, that was that's definitely iconic stuff for sure. Okay. Through the years. Who was the most demanding rider you sponsored as far as, like, using the most shit? I don't know if I want to say. You go ahead. Using the like most. Like, who, who just mowed through the, the budget? Well, I I will say Millsaps is, I mean, we love Davey, but he is definitely, he, with with gloves and some demanding For items, sure on he the was just, like, crazy with gloves. Crazy. But he had one new pair of gloves every time? No, dude. Every Like every pair of gloves, it was just like custom. I don't know if he had freakishly long fingers. Like everything was a conversation. His fingers aren't the thing that is freakishly long. I haven't <laughs> seen anything else. I don't know. But he... You know, he, he was always just so picky about he, gloves. He would, like, stretch his hand out straight, and he'd be like, ah, it's too tight. And then we'd make it a little bit looser, and then he'd close it into a fist. It's too loose. I'm getting blisters. Yeah, and just, like, ever, it was always chasing our tail. gloves. I don't remember... 
I know LaRocco definitely used the least amount of gear because yeah. we would have to beg Mike, like, hey, can you put on something just fresh and clean like we're shooting photos? Like, why? Everything's fine. Everything's, yeah. you know. Who is it? I can't even think who, since you've been. Yeah, I've been doing in support for, for, I've been at the company 14 years. I've been doing rider support for four or five. So I think nowadays the riders get so much gear that yeah. they, they can't really wear it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I remember um, Baggett's definitely was was pretty hard on gear. Yeah, he was pretty specific on the sizing. And really specific, and we would uh, we'd go out to his house, and he he. I, I have to say, he and his dad were both extremely creative people. Unbelievable, they're like mad scientists, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was all the way down to the gear. I mean, you know, where a seam would lie, what the material would be on his inner thighs, you know, how it would fit in his waist, the length, and where the knee would drop. And it, it was like that was a bit of a science project. And they were always great to work with. There was no problems. But they definitely had very specific ideas in mind on mm-hmm. on everything. I mean, everything about Blake's program. And um, I respect that, too. And certainly um, they were just doing everything they could do to, to put Blake out front. But... It came down to, I mean, the, the thread count and the gear. I'm not kidding. That's how they, they, those guys were just like, they were scientists mm-hmm. for sure. And then I would say Brayton was like the complete opposite. He was just like super easygoing, you know, mm-hmm. like he kind of, he was happy with whatever was in the gear bag. And, and yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of the two ends of the spectrum there. That's for sure. Hey, when was the hardware pant belt born? Ooh, I got to say that's that's got to be at least 18, maybe 20 years ago. Wow. You know, first 360 belt, about that time, somewhere in that range. You know, it's funny about that. Is that like until I wore a pair of hardware pants, I used to like, <laughs> those pants have a belt and like kind of crack up on it. But like wearing it, it's like infinitely adjustable and it's never going to fly open, you know? Like it's kind of funny that some of the gear companies have overbuilt their waist closures with you know i can think of one that's got a zipper it's got a snap and a ratchet or another one's got a zipper and a little velcro hook and loop thing and a ratchet you know it's like all this stuff to keep the pant from flying open when a supercross guy's seat bouncing right Mm -hmm. because i can remember when josh hansen was winning the x games supercross main event Mm -hmm. on the pro circuit bike and the, the thor buckle blew open and that was a big deal right and after that, it became Velcro behind the snaps and everything. But, dude, the hardware belt's never going to come open. Never going to come open. I, I think, I mean, it sounds simplistic, but it actually just functions and works. And, you know, we're in an industry where people are making 30, 32, 34, 36 pants. Well, you could look around a room at a 34 waist and look at three completely different body types. Mm-hmm. And some guys are training hard, bigger legs, smaller legs, bigger waist, whatever it might be. But a 34 pants going to fit three different 34 waists differently. And you get the ability to adjust, and obviously it, it works and it stays secure. And I think that that's a critical component if you're looking at a top-end piece of equipment like a hardware pant. As we sponsor riders, a lot of them, the first time they put a hardware pants on, they're like, why don't, why don't other companies do this? Do this? It's so yeah. so bulletproof and simple. So, yeah, it's been a key to the, the hardware success, that's for sure. You know, uh, last weekend, um, we had a small moto live race at State Fair, <clears throat> and uh, Dahmer, as always, cheated off the starting gate where he backed up and rolls and predicts the drop of the gate. So he outstarts me, 
And so I'm just trying to get around him as soon as I can, right? And he doesn't really sound like cheating to me, by the way. Oh, that's cheating. <laughs> that's cheating. They wouldn't let it fly to AMA race. But the guy is paddling through this inside rut. And so I rail the outside, and I'm going to just drive the next inside. And he's got these eyes on the back of his head. So he cuts over in front of me. I hit him on the gas, like, blam! On purpose? No, I didn't. Oh. I wouldn't have hit him on purpose. <laughs> uh-huh. But I bounced off and fell on the ground. But like, what I'm saying is that if he had been wearing any other pants, I would have blown the zipper on his waist open, right? <laughs> <clears throat> but he had he had hardware pants on with the belt. Yeah. And, and so that's why the crowd didn't get to see, you know, the tiny Mexican chorizo. <laughs> I mean, the good thing is we have someone like Dean Wilson testing pants, but you don't realize how important it is for someone like Dahmer to test pants, especially that waistline with that belt. I think it's thorough testing for, for all sizes that counts. And yeah, because Dean Wilson is not the uh, majority consumer you have. The majority of people are, are real working dudes and, you know, a lot of vets that buy gear and aren't exactly athletes, right? Well, they might not be a perfect <coughs> physical specimen, not every I've person. I've used Dahmer is. before on some size samples and then mount some, uh, some larger pants, make sure we're, we're dialed. That's mm-hmm. right. That's yeah. right. It's perfect. It, it, you know, props to you, too, because a lot of companies, when they make gear like Dahmer size, it's only black. only comes in black, mm-hmm. you know? Like, people don't always pick the, the good colors and everything in size 42. No, we don't discriminate on that. Yeah, our motivation is we want to make sure Dahmer looks good in all colors. He's he's got the full rainbow. He does look good. He does does look good. Yeah. But uh, okay, so uh, I noticed that Dino's got these custom gloves, right? Is that a Dean super picky thing, or is that you guys just kind of doing something so he feels extra special? He's got these red gloves that say Wilson Eleven on them. It's actually just a completely (laughs) stock glove. I think it's just his look when when we first signed him. Yeah, he's just like, hey, I'm a red glove guy. That's my thing. So we get, uh, did a little branding for him, and he's a very unique in his marketing abilities and his uh, mm-hmm. his look. So yeah. we wanted to be part of that. And I think we actually have a little collab coming with him on his website for some, some merch, some oh. glove merch. You're going to be able to buy those red gloves maybe? Might huh? be able to, yeah. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. So what, uh, what do you look for in an athlete when you're signing somebody? I, obviously, the smart thing is to look at their potential for good race results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how, but how important are things like social reach and personality and their, uh, how easy it is to work with them? I mean, as far as the, the social media and, the, and their marketing abilities, I think as a, the industry changes, I think it's becoming more and more important. You know, mm-hmm. back in the day, it was just like fully. We used to have everyone's race results, and we would average them out and then just go down. the. You know what I mean? That was like the number mm-hmm. one driver. But as we work with more influencers and uh, and work with these athletes with these large personalities and these large social followings, it's it's almost overcoming the the results at this point. It's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. I, I think we became fans of Dean too when when we were following him when what he was doing off the track more than what he was doing on the track. Mm-hmm. So before he was even in O'Neill gear, we were we were pretty excited just to to get the opportunity to work with Dean and, and he's got a lot of great input too. He's also, of course, lighthearted. He's fun, mm-hmm. entertaining to, uh, to just look at his social media and what he's doing off the track. And it's really him. So there's been a few things over the years we've sort of scripted and asked him to do or whatever. He's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll do it my way. We're like, uh, okay. Kind of <laughs> nervous, but so somebody like him who, who's creating a lot of content, who's actually, um, helping us with feedback on product, who's um, responsive whenever we need them. It's, it's certainly helpful. 
Uh, I, I don't know that that's the, the sole um, dictating factor as to what we're looking for in riders, but it certainly makes a big difference. It's a balancing act, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Okay, so then on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have the straight-up 100% influencer guys, right? Like this year you signed Connor Erickson, Buttery Films. I think that came to you through Pat Hodgins, your social media director, right? But uh, great move for you guys, I believe. It seems like he's got to be moving the needle for you. Yeah, Buttery's a huge influence. <coughs> it's funny, I was just at an, uh, an event up in Reno. I had you know, more people talk to me about Buttery than any other athlete we, we support. <laughs> He's just like, oh, me and my wife watch a Buttery uh, um, vlogs every week. We sit down. I mean, I think his fan base is huge. So mm. I think uh, he's been an amazing asset for us, that's for sure. Yeah, we, we went to a store recently with Buttery early morning, and there wasn't many people in there. And uh, it was a retailer, a power sports retailer. And people are coming up to him, you know, taking photos and autographs. We're like, Jesus, you know, maybe a dozen people that have rolled through here. This place just opened and 10 out of 12 are rolling up to him. It's great. And he's, he's very nice to people, you know. He's, mm-hmm. he's easy to talk to. So. so let me ask you this. Like, you know, that old saying, race wins on Sunday equals bike sales on Monday, right? Have you seen any sort of direct influence of buttery social media to what you get calls for on certain days i do a hundred percent i i mean it's like fully down to like a screenshot you know mm-hmm. when's this gear available or uh, really yeah for sure yeah or, or we'll like release something to him and i kind of see see the demand yeah pick up that's for sure is it a different consumer that calls for stuff because they saw it on buttery than you know say dean wilson on the weekend or alex ray that's hard to say i don't know uh I don't know if I'd be able to to dig that deep and see, but I'm sure. Mm-hmm. How much gear does Buttery go through? Not very much at all. I remember when we first started working with him, he's like, I'm easy on gear. You know, I sent him a ton of gear, and he's just like, I'm good. I'm good for the year. Uh-huh. Really? Because we want him to wear a little bit of everything. But Yeah, yeah I think we send him way more than he and, actually uses. And I think, I mean, the whole relationship started so organically. He wasn't, it's not like we, like, signed him or, or you know what I mean? He was just a fan of the brand and he wanted mm-hmm. to, to be a part of our movement and a part of what we stand for. And, and he was, in, and he uh, was a fan of the designs and kind of grew from there. I like when you guys came out with the retro kit, mm-hmm. he had a bike graphic done to match it all and everything. I think he did some photo shoots with the chicks and yeah, yeah. He just re-released that, uh, that ad with the girl in the closet he does that all on his own so I, I give him full credit he's an extremely creative individual there's no doubt about it and a lot of talent in what he does even though he probably doesn't think so and um yeah it's been great business has been great overall it's hard to pinpoint you know oh my gosh is it because of buttery or dean wilson and mm-hmm. i think they're all great contributing factors there's no doubt about it and i think the gear is getting better and better so I think all of it combined really helps. And, of course, the Swap Moto Live, that's, that certainly helps. Goes, goes without saying. Goes without saying. Uh-huh. So what do you think of the social media influencer that I brought to you guys? Hand-delivered. Old My scrub, boy, Scrubby. <laughs> scrub Daddy. He's the man. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, I have to believe that guy has had an impact on Southern California sales. He has to, yeah. I think he's like a staple. Well, he was a staple, a milestone, but... Uh, but now it, it's kind of moved over state to state fair. fair. Yeah, yeah, state fair. So, but, uh, no, he's been awesome to have. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. <laughs> I 
Yeah. Although you guys, I th- uh, you, you may want me to add this later, but you, you you seem to have an issue with the Scrub Daddy Icon logo that I helped create for him. I have an issue, for sure. Yeah. I, I'm like, we cannot do that. There's no way <laughs> this is going down. And I, I think I just, I asked Mark, like, just please just don't do it. And he did it anyway. And he did it. He made it larger than. I, I oh, can't believe no. it. It's almost bigger than the O'Neill logo. The thing's huge. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's a good logo, I think. You know, it's it's Scrub Daddy immortalized as Colonel Sanders. You know, it's SDT instead of KFC. <laughs> so It's so wrong. It's so wrong. But. If he's down for it and he's into it, that's great. I think um, certainly he's he's wonderfully entertaining on social media. Where did Scrub Daddy come from? You guys yeah, I, I really don't. I don't know his story much at I, all. You know, I, yeah. I, you can't get it out of him. But when he came into the office the other day and we had a a, a podcast with him, um, Dahmer got it out of him that he's he's got five children and his wife has two. So they have a family of seven. Wow. So – that's as much personal information as I've gotten out of the guy. Wow. He's just too busy, like, saying funny stuff. and. But what was, like, his, his entry in that milestone? Like, did he just show oh, up one day? How did you guys meet? Oh, oh, I, I met him at uh, State Fair when it was Star West years and years ago. Mm-hmm. He had bought one of Jason Lawrence's Arma YZ450Fs. So I used to see this guy riding a all blacked out YZ450F and he would always jump on in front of me on the track and like do all of his ridiculous scrubs and cross ups and foot off and I get pissed because he'd get in my way and like, yeah, why does yeah. the guy keep jumping on in front of me but I don't know that that's when I first knew of him but I didn't actually really meet him until the milestone days and it was just because I was there so much and he's always like talking his crap man look at this guy with all yeah, these new yeah. bikes look at this guy got all these cameras but <laughs> But yeah, he's definitely one of my favorite guys to hang out with, though. For sure. He's a character. So, okay, how about uh, the other guy in your staple this year is Alex Ray, right? Mm-hmm. Do you... He'll always be in our staple. Do you choose <laughs> Alex Ray because of his personality and and popularity or race results? Uh, I, I think we really just completely <laughs> fell in love with Alex. I mean, without sounding stranger, he is just such a wonderful person to be around. Great personality. He's hardworking, um, completely transformed himself physically. He's working really hard, and so we admire him for all that, and he's, he's, just, he's just a wonderful person. Okay, and you were saying that Davey Millsaps is the one who brought Alex to you the first time. What year was that? <laughs> it was 2015, 16? Yeah. So, so it, was, it was still in the fat Alex era then. Dude, we we, went, we went to lunch. and uh, Wood Ranch, yeah. Wood Ranch, you know. And so Davey brings this guy with him. And he doesn't, he didn't, Davey didn't really like explain who this person was. It's kind of like halfway through lunch. He's like, hey, and you know, you, you guys want to work something out with Alex? And we're like looking at this dude. And I'm like, are you training? You're going to turn pro? He's like, I, I am a pro. Or like, oh. Like no idea. He he looked like he'd swallowed a, a mini Millsaps. He was pretty pretty big, and we just thought, man. But Davy was all about it. Davy's uh, he, he's he's great to work with, and there's no doubt he's a negotiator. But he he looped Alex into the deal that year. He's just yeah. like, nope, it's it's a me and Alex deal. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what? Yep, he's training with me. So that's part of the program. We're like, oh, was this? Uh, were you rescuing him from his? 
Pink JT number three one four days. We we didn't even know we were rescuing him from anything. We just oh. were like, "What is going on? How did we get looped into this guy?" And he was kind of quiet at lunch at first. He was, he was pretty shy. Yeah, all of a sudden quiet. He turned into a package Aaron, deal. He, he was. He was. He oh, was just kind of long ago. It, it it almost felt like uh, I don't know. Like he didn't feel like he belonged or something. I'm not really sure. He just he just he was just kind of quiet and shy. And we're like, yeah, I guess it's part of the deal with Davey. But then once we got to know him, it. It worked out great, so we, we've enjoyed working with him. He he had one incident. I think it was Vegas, right? He was yeah, ri- riding yeah. for someone else. It doesn't matter who it was, but they they couldn't get him gear. Yeah, like, was it, the package was lost, or UPS was it was just doing donuts around. He literally <laughs> called us like Friday night, like 10 p.m. It's like, dude, there's nothing. I don't have gear. Like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Can you get it out here? Like. I guess so. You know, we're like breaking in the office at midnight and printing gear and driving straight to Vegas. Yeah, and that was that, that was one of uh, yeah. one of the first stories, and I think that's how we kind of proved our loyalty to him that we would mm-hmm. go above and beyond. You know, yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't even riding in our gear; he yeah. wasn't signed with us, so he was stoked on that. I think every chance he's had uh, the ability to make a choice, he always comes back to you guys, right? Yeah, yeah, and like I said, he's he's like family to us. He's one of. Uh, one of our longer-term riders, and he'll always have a home. As long as he's racing and needing gear, he can always come here, and we'll, uh, we'll get him dialed. Cool. Well, hey, let's take a quick break, but uh, we'll be back for a little bit more with the uh, the dudes at O'Neill. What's up? This is Justin Barsha of the Monster Energy Yamaha team, and I trust the Rai Helmet. I know that every helmet is handcrafted in Japan, and that the people who work at Rai are obsessed with building the best helmet they could possibly can. Staying safe is a priority for me, and this is why I choose Arai Helmets. Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer, and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble, and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. so. Yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross-country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails or if you want to go a bit further, longer and faster, they, they just brought out a new Taser e-bike which is, uh, yeah, everyone's given the double thumbs up on. So head down to your local Intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at IntenseCycles.com. Check it out, guys. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. Hey, what's up, guys? Malcolm Stewart. Worst Connection has been building the best aluminum parts in the motocross for the last 30 years. From the awesome Pro Launch Start device and their original adjustable clutch perch assemblies, I am proud to use it on my Motoconcept Honda. Check them out at WorksConnection.com. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota of Escondido Action Sports team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck 
is mention the show and tell them you want the Action Sports Special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. Welcome back to the Fly Racing Swap Moto Podcast. Once again, Don Maeda, I'm here in uh, the O'Neill headquarters with Mark Shear and Frank Kashar. Is this the Fly Racing Podcast? It is the Fly Racing. They're, they're the I love sponsor. the guys that fly, so I've got no problem with it. You, yeah. you know, I don't. there's not even an O'Neill commercial on this podcast, so, you know, I'm just here because I love you guys. And we could plug Fly. That's huh? okay. Yeah. 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 No issues. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> when you guys sign riders, like, like as opposed to a company like Fox, right? Head to toe. Helmet. Goggles. Jersey, pant, glove, boots. You know, you do offer all that stuff, but we typically see O'Neill racers in pant, jersey, glove. Is there a strategic reason for that, or is it just because it's too expensive to get head-to-toe, or is it because you want to allow your riders to get income elsewhere? I don't know that it's a specific reason. We've had riders head-to-toe before. We certainly still do have some riders head-to-toe now. I think that sometimes helmets and boots become personal in some ways. Some guys like some particular models or brands of helmets or boots. Um, And we've had riders that have had, you know, some issues with, you know, maybe boots that didn't stick around so long or whatever. And um, and there's a lot of companies in, in the industry that we work well with, with like helmets and boots. And when we're working a, a rider deal, we'll kind of like not pool it, but we'll kind of reach out and uh, mm-hmm. and kind of negotiate together and do a do a deal like that. We've done them in the past as well, which has worked. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I we work close with with Bob Garday, and uh, they make a beautiful product. I think we make a beautiful boot as well. But you know, we have no issues in working with uh, you know Baroth or, or Bob or whoever it might be, and. And working together with athletes and making sure that we're doing marketing and promotion accordingly. And, and they make some great product, too. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a rider who was sponsored by a boot or a helmet company that wasn't the coolest at working with you and, like, was working the angles of photos so you couldn't see logos? Um, I'm sure, you, I'm sure it's it? happened. I think we ran – didn't we – I think <laughs> we ran an ad once years ago. I think it was, I think it was like, Jimmy Button – and he was wearing, I think he was wearing like yellow and black hardware gear. And someone, someone on a computer turned like an Alpine Star boot to yellow. We didn't block out the boot. They just dropped in like a touch of yellow. And somebody called over here and ripped some ass. They were furious that we like altered the product. We're like, well, we could have, you know, cropped it out altogether. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember seeing one ad for a boot and they were like, Covering the glove with a text, covering the jersey with text. Oh, yeah, we see that sometimes. That's true. It does happen. But, I mean, most of of the time, we've been in the industry a long time. Most of the people who've been in the industry for a long time, we all get along just fine. Mm -hmm. See, that's pretty obvious when you cover it with text, right? Yeah, yeah. What you need to do is you need to have stock photography of mud. And then you just oh. add mud over certain logos that you haven't seen. <laughs> always thinking, always no. thinking. That. We may have done that at Transworld. Photoshop, Photoshop experience there. So um, I heard this like urban legend, right? You know, you hear about like certain things and you wonder if it's really true or not. Do you really have a special pen that riders sign contracts with, Frank? <laughs> that is true. It is true. It's totally true, yeah. Tell Jim, me, Jim tell and me. I have this pen called the Lucky Pen, and, uh, and we bless it. And if it runs out of ink, we go through the blessing ceremony over again. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> we, we've had that Lucky Pen going for about 25 years. So really? I swear. Yeah. So, like, 
Kehoe signed his contract with the same pen as came after Kehoe time, but but I would say you know maybe going back to um, oh maybe maybe the original Moto Triple X or Larocco or uh, certainly first when Zig I know for sure when Ziggy first started that team and it was just him and Larocco we had that pen out Mm -hmm. so it's got to be at least twenty three twenty four years so tell me about this pen is it like gold plated is it a cross a Mont Blanc I, I, I can run and grab it for you. Huh? It's really not that impressive, but it actually has the words Lucky Pen. Like, oh, like, a, like a label maker. Yeah, yeah, like a total label maker. So, Because <laughs> we don't want to screw up and use that pen accidentally for something that doesn't really matter a lot. So, I mean, we saved the ink for special occasions. Oh. And it's a traditional pen. It's not like some fountain Nothing pen. Nothing fancy. No. It, it's just, yeah, it's just a traditional pen. Oh, that's good. I wonder, I wonder if you signed any contracts with Salmon Alive with the Lucky Pen. No, I don't think no. we did. I mean, we, we have so much confidence in what you guys do that I just don't, <laughs> I don't think it was necessary. Part of that luck is, you know, we're, we're, it's, it's like a little blessing. We want to make sure the riders are safe and everybody's good and mm-hmm. the relationship works out good and they do their best on the track and everyone's happy. Nice. Okay, so going back in a time machine, tell me about the pro-style levers. <laughs> because, uh, wait, let me, let me preface this with, uh, in 1986, I graduated high school, and I went, my first job in the industry, so to speak, was at Pasadena Honda. So I bought a 1987 CR250, and uh, I bought a set of O'Neill Pro-style levers and put them on my bike. And, of course, my brother was like, those are goofy. What are you doing? But I'm all, they're so sick. You know, they had the... You know, they did, they weren't straight levers. They were curved and had a notch for your fingers so that it was a little bit closer. Yeah, that, give, me, give me the story behind this. I don't want I don't want to bore you with all the details, but I I also graduated <laughs> high school in '86, and when I was in college, um, I was 19 years old, and I ended up making that product with a college partner in a marketing course. And so that was the first product that we uh, we'd ever made, and it was for the motorcycle industry. And I was trying to sell them to uh, Jim Hale at Axo, MSR, or O'Neill. Uh, those were the guys that I'd kind of talked to. I didn't know anybody in the industry; really didn't know anything. And long story short, we worked it out with uh, with Jim O'Neill. So that was a product that we launched through O'Neill. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I don't even know if I turned twenty by the time that that came out, but somewhere right around that range. And man, did we sell a ton of those levers. Unbelievable quantity of levers. Uh, okay, I know why I like them. What was the design theory behind them with the with the crazy notch? Uh, the design theory was that uh, it was a patented shape and design where you can actually keep more hands on, on your handlebar and, and just uh, actually use the entire function of the lever and keep better control of your bike and not have to take all your fingers off the bar. So mm-hmm. uh, there, were, there were, you know, dog leg, if you will, levers that actually had this notch out, single finger brake, two finger clutch, and allowed you to pull it all the way in without mm-hmm. a problem. Mark, are you aware of what, what we're talking about? Oh, trust me, I'm aware. We actually <laughs> just moved buildings. We've been in the new building for, what, three weeks now, a month now? We had a box of them at the old building. Uh-huh. Were the they white. fluorescent pink? Oh, we, yeah, we had a few different colors. And yeah. uh, 
I was tired of moving them. You know, we've moved buildings twice now. And I'm like, these are too heavy. I'm not, we got to get rid of them. We got to get rid of them. Frank's just like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah so I mean, then, those fit an 89 yeah, KX250, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever. And then uh, Frank was going to lunch and we had a trash, a big trash bin in the back <laughs> and there's some old stuff. And Frank's like, I can't see it. He's like, I'm going to close my eyes. Just make them disappear. So <laughs> I think there's some deep connection to that product. Yeah, sure. the, the, the new sales line each year, we'd come into O'Neill and it was, hey, here's a different color. So we'd have purple splatter. Yeah, the splatter, splatter ones. And I can't believe, I mean, we really, yeah, we sold just a ton of them. And O'Neill did a great job distributing them even back then. Why don't you update them to work with hydraulics and, and produce them now? You know, we, we talked about it. And actually, I, I think part of it is we're so busy. There's quite a few products we'd like to expand into, quite a few. And we, we run short on time during most days. It's just... Mm. We definitely become a little limited on resources for the product development at times. Okay, so looking back at those levers, was that the quirkiest or most unique product you guys have sold through the years, or have, has there been something else that I'm missing? Wow. Because, like, I know it's old Briar Holcomb with the quick strap, that goofy thing, and the Roco brake line booster or whatever, but, like, was there anything else that O'Neill sold? I mean, I, I won't say it was the quirkiest. It was definitely unique. You know, I get that. O'Neill really started as a distributor. So we were mm -hmm. selling other people's products as well as our own for a lot of years. Um, some of the products we've developed over the years, you may call a little bit quirky. But I, I see sometimes competitors do the same. Sometimes they get ripped on for it. I, I kind of admire it when, when companies take take chances think a little outside the box they're not always home run hits and you know there's no doubt in, in 50 years you get a few misses but i don't know of any one particular product that stands out as crazy quirky you know well let me ask you this because i've i'm not aware of the product but my brothers told me about it i wonder if it was o'neill distributed product like in the current era there's the pc1 filter skins right it's these like bags that you put over your air filter so that you know if you're a lazy guy you just pull it off and your filter's clean mm -hmm. Ross told me at one point there was a similar product, but it was a flat filter that you put over the top of your airbox, like a pre-filter air filter. But he said they were called rip-offs. Yeah, no, I don't think we're distributing. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you remember that? <laughs> no, I don't. and I, I, I definitely don't think we distributed those rip-offs. A pair of tear-offs and, uh, yeah, and one rip-off. Exactly. So what else? I mean, did, did O'Neill used to distribute things like bike stands and ramps and... Yeah, definitely uh, our own branded bike stands, ramps. But O'Neill was a distributor for, jeez, um, let me think, FMF and um, Troy Lee at one point. Maxima. Maxima, Dowco covers. I think Jim really was was a pioneer on the West Coast before the distributors had come out this way. So um, a lot of product distribution. And Jim, really, when he founded the company, it was him in a van. So he was going door to door, store to store. His first real product was uh, Preston Petty Fenders mm -hmm. back in the day and expanded the line and, and the range from there to develop O'Neill product. But um, there was a lot of product. A Carrera, um, I'm trying to think of what else. Biafi, we were the AXO distributor before, mm -hmm. uh, before AXO America was founded. So a lot of product, for sure. What... Uh what is the number one part number right now, this month, say? Hmm. I mean, I would have to say... Uh, crank jerseys? Crank jerseys or, or just a black element boot. Yeah, black. And that's the best-selling entry-level boot We sell a lot of boots, yeah, yeah, for sure. So probably a black element boot. Really? Yep. 
Tons why don't you uh, why don't you make a bigger push with that boot? Because it's a good boot. It's got a hinge. Well, uh, it, when you say bigger push, I mean truth of the matter is it's. A, you don't need to push it. No, it's just that we are constantly marketing and pushing more premium brand products. So sometimes mm -hmm. you're going to see a hardware ad, but it doesn't necessarily mean we sell the most hardware pants. Um, we have a great value in our boot line, unbelievable value. Both rider and element boots are great products. But we're selling a ton of boots. They do well on their own. Um, we do give them a push, and certainly we get dealers to carry them and stock them. And I think when consumers actually come in, they put on the boot, they touch it, try it, feel it. Even those who are buying them online, they can actually sense the difference. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of quality in that product, a lot of tooling, and a lot of time to develop them. So I think the consumer wins great. I mean, a boot that's priced like that is, is less expensive than boots we were selling 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And you're getting more features, and they last a long time. So a product like that really speaks for itself and stays the same for several years. It does great. Mm -hmm. That's what's crazy about the motocross gear uh, industry is we have like old ads in our break room, just a, a, like a collage of old ads. And it's crazy how the pricing has come down. You know, it'd be like from 1989 and the pant is 139. And now mm -hmm. we're selling it for 119. I'm like, like what other industry has that? It's insane. Yeah, so it's absolutely crazy. The price hasn't really caught up and the technology and the materials and the products have come so far. Mm -hmm. So. So uh, last weekend at the uh, Swap Motor Race Series, I was telling you guys earlier, there was, there was a noticeable uh, number of riders wearing O'Neill gear. And then at one point, Dahmer and I were sitting in the pits talking about it. And we were watching guys coming off the track, and we saw three or four O'Neill helmets in a row. And I think they were all that one that looks like a, a, a fighter jet with the, the mouth on it. The wingman helmet yeah, yeah it's, it's an awesome graphic it's it's uh we've kind of carried that over to the warhawk helmet so that the, the military themed everyone has a lot of um a lot of pride in uh in american history in america and it's uh it's a, it's a great line for us for sure yeah, helmets have done extremely well also so again you're, you're talking about a lot of technology we use uh independent labs to test all the helmets uh, act labs and uh, you'd be surprised. It's it's definitely uh, a lot of technology for the dollar, and it's a great value for the consumer. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, anything uh, new on the horizon that you can talk about? That we want to talk about today? Yeah. Well, like, okay, it's so like, for instance, remember you and I met at uh, a restaurant Corona, and you, like, gave me that neck brace that you were going to distribute? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you lost interest in that, I think. I, I think the um, <laughs> that, that market scared us a little bit you know yeah, I mean, it, it was an evolving market a lot of liability uh it's an exceptional product uh, there's no doubt about it but liat does they do a fine job they do what they do um and some people believe in neck braces some people don't i'm not a doctor i couldn't tell you exactly uh, whether they work or not we just kind of felt like you know what before we dive into this let's let's play this out a little bit at the time we were distributing liat for cycling Mm -hmm. uh, we had a lot of success with it, and we just thought, mm, yeah, maybe this thing's crested a bit. Let's wait and see, and, and we just held off. Mm -hmm. All right, you just mentioned cycling. Um, I was at the uh, Crankworks Festival in Whistler um, last summer. Mm -hmm. and I saw you there. I'm walking around, and bang, there's Frank, and there's an O'Neill booth. <laughs> right? So um, you've educated me on that a little bit. Like uh, O'Neill Mountain Bike Gear actually does quite well in Europe. Yep. Um, I think a lot of people in the U.S. are not aware 
they have a complete line of mountain biking gear as well. Yeah, we, we need to do a little better job of marketing in here as well. And uh, the racing's different in Europe, you know, and we've had Minar for many years. And I think it has a greater meaning in Europe than it does here. Uh, there just isn't enough racing here to really resonate with consumers. So for us, we just need to attack it from a different method entirely. And I, th I think we'll, we'll figure out exactly how to do that mm -hmm. soon enough. Yeah, I've pedaled with A-Ray, and he's got his... I was looking at him. <laughs> O'Neill makes mountain bike shoes. Yeah. You know, so... You bet we do. You could probably uh, put a less... Uh, a more flexible shank in those things and sell them as casual. Uh, depending on the shoe, we have several shoe models. I'll give you a few before you leave today. So you can tell me what you think. <laughs> I, I love giving you product because generally the reviews are great, but once in a while if you find something... I don't know why it's probably happened a half dozen times. We send you the wrong size and you probably think we're just screwing with you. Like we'll send you a 30 short. And you're just like, dude. Oh, well that one day I was so mad at you. You ruined my day at the track. I think that was me. Donner uh, yeah, and I'll I went to the track and I took out this brand new set of gear out of a bag and you sent me size 30 pants. Uh, I, I knew you were going to bring that. I, 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 we do not do it intentionally. Huh? I, it, but, yeah, it's so, motivation. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's it motivation. <laughs> so hard to ride when you can't breathe. Oh, by the way, I want to make something clear i think mark's found his calling i haven't heard mark talk this much in the last 14 years oh geez he's unbelievable on this podcast huh? thing he's he's in his element he's no, got he's no, got a good no, voice no. for this he does uh, face or radio no you, you sound sexy as hell on this thing it sounds great <laughs> okay so hey in closing let's talk about uh what's going on right now so at lunch we just heard that the indie supercross is going to happen without fans because of the coronavirus uh troubles that we're having right now um seattle's canceled um i know that detroit and massachusetts are questionable how does this play out uh where how, how do, what effect does the coronavirus have on o'neill as far as the brand involved in racing I mean, I think first and foremost, it's easy to, to get selfish with everything, right? How does this affect me, my life, my family, our business? Truth is, this is just a massive, massive problem. I don't even think we've got this thing nearly surrounded. I think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, the impact to, to, I think, the whole industry is great. I think it's just going to be uh, very, very difficult to even see the Supercross season finishing at all. And it might be the last round this this week, as we talked about. I feel bad for riders, for teams, for trainers. You know what <coughs> happens with sponsors. You know sponsors have paid and made a commitment for for a season. You know this is unprecedented. We've never had anything like this. Are they going to continue to support a team or the sport? Um, it's one thing we definitely don't want to see is losing any sort of outside sponsors and and the athletes who've worked so hard. I mean these guys are, are working their asses off racing and. Here we are mid-season, and they don't have the opportunity to finish, and that's that's not right either. So, I think it, I feel as a fan cheated, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I hate to see that. Um, for O'Neill, you know, we're going to continue on. Business has been great. Um, people should get out and ride. They don't have to breathe on anybody to do it. Um, I, I think it's better than you know a kid playing a team sport or anything else at this particular time, but. Obviously, we need to do our best to support our athletes at this time and, and make sure that we can do anything possible to support the entire sport, make sure that we continue to promote those teams, those riders, and those sponsors in some other form, Swap Moto Live and otherwise, so that they feel that they're getting some bang for the buck um, so that we can make sure they're around next year when Supercross season starts again. Mm -hmm. So no, uh, 
No tricky advertising. Uh, get this O'Neill jersey. It prevents coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. We've talked about doing some creative things. I, I think if there's anything we could do, we talked about at lunch today, maybe an, is, an initiative to get more people out riding. Mm-hmm. And the threshold and the entry into the sport is so great. And it's intimidating for some people. And it would just be great to just get more people on two wheels any way that we could. And if we can contribute to making that happen, that would be great. Maybe it'll give us a little break in time here that we can all kind of think about next year and, and plan ahead a little bit on what we might be able to do to get more people riding. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty rare an issue, like, brings the whole industry together. You know, it's not like it's, it's affecting one uh, one series or one sponsor or anyone in the, in the economy more than others. So it's kind of everyone's working together towards a common goal. So if we can do this, we can really expand it to something else next season. Or mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, for me, you know, the, the whole objective of our race series was to grow race participation in our area, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're all coming up on 10 years with the race series. And, I mean, man, you used to go to a race on the weekend and there'd be like 80 people. And you're like, why are there only 80 people racing when you go to a practice track and it's packed, right? Yeah. You think, oh, these people don't even have jobs because they're out riding their dirt bikes. Well, for me, it was really uh, important, as well as with Mark Fiore, my old uh, publisher at Transworld, to start the series make a better experience and get more people out. So like we've grown race participation in our area and, and uh, that's something that we're proud of. So like, yeah, we need to figure out how to grow riding participation as well. For sure. Is Fiori sponsoring that race series? Fiori? Yeah. Where is Fiori now? He's had like 43 jobs. Since Fiori, I, Fiori's he's at Oakley. He's at Oakley now. Yeah. Yeah. Man, so is, I hope they're cutting a check to support that race series. If not, we can call them right after this and make yeah. sure something's going to happen. They're not. Okay. So we just saw... I don't know. Let, let's check this. Yeah, make sure Something on social media says the uh, Indy Supercross is canceled. TMZ Dino just uh, just posted. Is that breaking Dean? News. Is it yeah. actually Dean? Yeah. Wow. Hmm. So I wonder if the Supercross championship is done. Is he like Tomac crown champion? Huh. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Well, hey. On that note, let's wrap up this podcast so I could do some uh, research. Absolutely. But again, thanks for having me up here. Thank you, Frank and Mark, for supporting Swap Moto Live. We are trying every day to make you guys proud. You do. And, yeah, good times. Looking forward to uh, lots more uh, fun memories and no more of those uh, hostile phone calls. I knew you were going to (laughs) say you had to close on it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys making the trip up north. I know it's, uh, we're, we're, I mean, almost to Zaka Station, so it's a a drive for you guys. Calabasas up here, like, came up to this beautiful country and got to ride in a a luxury vehicle to lunch and, can't beat it. Yeah, well, thank you. You guys, you guys do such a great job with Swap Moto Live, honestly. We're, we're appreciative and we're glad to just be uh, advertiser there. We really enjoy it. Great. Well, you guys, thank you for listening. Uh, Signing off on the uh, Swap Moto Podcast presented by my friends at Fly Racing. We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet.